Okay, Dwayne, why don't you come on up? Yes, I'll introduce you. This is Brother Dwayne Holmes. His wife, Lois, uh, she's here somewhere. There she is. Yeah. Uh, we actually were in Bible college together. And uh, Dwayne went to the mission field, and I came to the church. Actually, we were in the same church before I was even pastor. Pastor Harold Sanders was here in those days. But uh, they actually invited us to come to Ecuador. I don't have any idea why, but I do. But we went there for about three weeks. It was a good time. It took us all over the country. It was a great time. And uh, let me tell you, everything he tells you about the jungle is true. I mean, I found out I was such a wimp. I didn't want Dwayne to know I was such a wimp. But I snuck some peanut M&Ms into the jungle just to survive. Anyway. Printner destroyed our ministry. (laughs) We took him out to a a runway way, way out in the jungle, and he said, you're right, this may not be the end of the world, but I think I can see it from here. (laughs) (laughs) That's about right. Well, God bless you. It's good to have you. Thanks for the update here tonight. I understand this is being streamed worldwide and simultaneously translated into English, so... I'm supposed to behave myself tonight. I'll try. But uh, all seriousness aside, I would really like to thank you as a church for staying with us. As Dwight said, you were with us from before we went to the field. We went in 85, and unknowns to some in here, we were being mentored and, and taught by people, uh, the Jim and Bill Waters, the Faye Greens mentioned this morning, and they might not have known it, but we were observing and learning. So you guys have had a part in our ministry even before you started financially supporting But we do want to thank you for your faithfulness, uh, and uh, we pray that uh, we've done a good job of being faithful with what the Lord has given us. I have to really truck tonight to try to get through all of this. I took a bunch of slides out, so if this isn't my usual stellar presentation, it's not my fault. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, I'm used to not looking at that back there, but this over here, so we'll see how this works. We are indeed uh, missionaries to the Achar Shivyar people. I was told this was going to work. Probably not. Off, on. Okay, this is going to be a long time on one slide. I was told several people right up here in front know how to make this work. See, I'm used to a machete, no moving parts. Yeah, I don't know. Somehow it's stuck. second. I've got a second. It could be five minutes. Okay, okay. It's a football second. And I am... (laughs) You got a commercial? I thought I took this out, so we might not have the shortened version after all. Okay, I do have an uh, unpaid commercial message here. Okay, we're getting back and forth here. I'm pushing the big... The big button. There we go. Okay. Our prayer email, uh, we have a sign-up sheet out there. If you want to be on our prayer email list, before we have anything coming up, we send out a prayer email of what's going on. Afterwards, uh, we send out a re- the results of what happened. So we send the original request with the result. This You benefit from seeing how your prayers were answered. We benefit from having to think back how God answered our prayer instead of just right away moving on. I really get tired of hearing people ask for prayer, and then you never, ever hear how it come out. So that's what we do. We aren't making trips in the jungle, but we're still involved in missions, and we're going to be presenting that the same way. Now, this is a long version, so this is not going to go as well as I thought. 
I've been, some of you that know have seen this before, you know my desire to get a secretary to help me. Some of them, well, I'm even faster than that. But uh, we've had many that uh, come along and applied for the job, nice-looking secretary, hands-on, spent all the time looking out the window. Some of you may have had secretaries like that, ready for a touch screen. We weren't that advanced. So now back at our place, we just have this, uh, this one that keeps me company. I have a, an advisor on my shoulder ready to point out mistakes whenever I make them. I don't have that back here. Okay, here's where we should have started. In the beginning, 1972, this... Uh, 1972, is that right? That's what I thought, it's 1970. <laughs> you notice I caught that first, I caught that. So uh, somehow we lost two years, but anyway, we had been married, it was a long wedding. <laughs> 1985, when we went to Ecuador, that was what the, the family looked like then. And uh, the Lord blessed, we have four kids, 12 grandkids, we are extremely helpful, for, thankful for that, and now it's back to me and my ex-girlfriend. Uh, well, she is, she was promoted from girlfriend to wife. Uh, we clean up well, just not often, so it's, uh, well, mostly, there are, there are some fallbacks. How have we survived 52 years in the marriage ministry, and it's 53, now I caught that too. It's give and take, and you have, that's not right, there we go. There we go. That's better. It's give and take. Actually, it has been a, a joint effort. Uh, without her, I couldn't have done what I was doing. The Lord knew what he was doing. It's surprising to find anybody that would put up with me, yet alone in the jungle. So it was, uh, it's been great. It's been a good time. We work in Ecuador. Uh, now we're working more with the Achuar people. You can see most of them are in Peru, but uh, down in San Lorenzo at the bottom is where our translation team is. That's the ones we're mostly in contact with now. So it's mostly Peruvians. A lot of changes in the last two years. We went from a big jungle house at the mission station into our little house in Makuma. Before, to get into our jungle house right up against the, the jungle there, we would have to fly 23-minute flight in the first time I walked out, and I would give anything for trails like that. But the first time I walked out, it was 13 hours to get to where I could catch a bus to go several hours into town. Uh, we did some canoeing some places. Most of the rivers weren't navigable by canoe. This is going up a little tiny stream with a witch to inspect a runway that he was building. And by the time we left, the bus was coming right into the mission station. If we were there, we could get on the bus within 10 minutes. So a lot of changes down there. Back here, even more, we want to go someplace. We have nice streets and a car. We can hop in and go anytime. That's one of the changes that's easy to get used to. Yeah, somehow we got the wrong one pulled up here. This isn't, uh, these are supposed to be motion pictures. I would have to walk out and go across this each time I went out to check the runway, to check email. I would have to walk three hours from three in the morning till six in the morning, clean up in the river, get on the bus, ride into town, get the emails and turn around and come back. I would literally pray for three hours that I wouldn't have to cross this log. It was horrible, the water moving underneath. It was long, it was more than here to the, the wall over there. And I, I just never liked it. I would, I would literally pray for that whole time. Hey, there we got some movement. Let me see if I can. It was really moving faster than that. <laughs> anyway, somebody asked me, and I'd never thought about it, what the most scary thing that I ever did in the jungle, and that would be it, crossing gorges on logs. It's something we had to do. I never felt comfortable with it. The Lord protected us all the time. I never fell when it would be dangerous. But almost every village is 
right alongside the river so you cross a log going into or out of the river. You just have to do that all the time, and God did protect us. They call that a bridge. I call that a wood pile. But they would, uh, you get one side and out the other, and, and we managed. Back here, if you have a puddle, they build a bridge across it. So it's a, another nice change that we have back here, nice bridges. And I don't know what the guy was drinking that laid that out, but that's not straight at all. <laughs> My wife did a lot with the people down there with their artifacts. They would make things and put a price tag on it. She'd send it out. She'd put the price tag on, send it out. The money comes in. She would get it to the people. It's a way to help them without giving them charity. We didn't want them to become dependent on us, so we looked for ways to do that. But her most important job was out with the people. She could talk to the women. That's something I couldn't do unless they were with their husband. I could not so much as lay a hand on a woman or really even talk to her much if her husband wasn't there. So she spent a lot of time sitting around talking to the women just like I did to the guys. Important part. She learned how to cook over the fire, three log fire, typical meal. If there's no meat, the men don't eat. The women will eat produce out of the garden, but the men don't eat unless there's meat. So there would usually be a fish or something like that, uh, a piece of meat. Uh, the banana is the plantain, the cooking banana. That's probably 80, 85% of our diet. I think Dwight can probably tell you how tasty those are. Uh, we liked them. We really enjoyed them. And uh, the yucca on the right is cassava or taro root. That's the common down there. They got a fish on top of What's that look like? I didn't hear that, but it's wrong. <laughs> that is, uh, they have a big seed down there, a pod that's got little seeds in it, and they boil that up, and the women chew it up and spit it in the bowl, and they slap a fish on the top of it. And it is delicious. Lois tried to make it, and it wasn't the same, so I don't know what they... <laughs> I don't know what they eat, the lack of brushing there. I don't know, but it was delicious when they made it. Ants, you take off the head, the wings, and the legs, and that's what's left. It's a source of protein. If there's nothing else, the men can eat if there's something like this. So they, the kids pick up a snack any place they can. That's just a... Uh, <laughs> grubs were good. I enjoyed them. The people learned that I liked them, so they would have them. You've got to cut down a tree and wait 30 days before these big grubs appear. So they would plan that so when we're in there, they would have some. Uh, I was a little skeptical. I have no trouble up here putting anything in my mouth. I wondered about that. The first time I had them, it was dark. I didn't know what they were. The guy I was with, I asked him what it was, and he said meat. So I took one, and I looked. I said, this isn't meat, is it? And he said, no, it's not. It was delicious. If it hadn't been, I don't know. But the first one was good. I never had any trouble with anything that way. This I have to leave a little bit because I don't take a pictures. It's the Wyuse leaf. There's a tree down there. They make tea out of this, and this is the tea we'd use in the morning. We'd get up in the morning at 3 o'clock and drink tea till 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock, sitting around a pot, talking and drinking tea. One by one, as you felt like it, you'd get out and throw up. It's called stomach washing. We did this every morning. So I've had morning sickness for 35 years. I don't think it's all that bad, but uh, <laughs> my wife insists it's not the same. But the neat thing about it, well, you can't use neat and vomit in the same sentence, the unique thing about this is you could talk about absolutely anything at that time of the day. It's one of the most important times of day there was. We'd talk about hunting trips. We'd talk about doctrine. A guy had problems with witchcraft in his, his community one time, so each one gave, her, gave their, their vision or their view of that as we went around the, the pot. So it was an important time. It even opened doors. We'd go into a new village, and the people would ask the Indians that are with us, what are we going to do with the missionaries? And he'd say, don't worry about him. He eats everything. He even drinks tea with us in the morning. That's something no other missionaries did, and it literally opened the door. So I don't do that anymore. I couldn't figure out how to get a few big bags of leaves back here through customs, so I just had to give that up. But I, I do miss it. 
I sold fishing supplies to the Indians. That would bring the men to the door. We had everything from six-pound test up to 800-pound. So it's, uh, when we went out on the airplane, I'd take the box. We had bigger hooks than that up there, but we had the, the, the butterflies, the, the swivels. Uh, underneath, I had nylon. That's uh, an average-sized catfish, nice eating. Those are. That's a bigger one, 90-pounder. And I'm a bit of a fisherman myself. I don't like to brag, but I, I have hooked some pretty good-sized ones there. I was thinking about having it mounted. But, uh, I worked with the Vivadium, which looks like a silly sideline, but there were a lot of people down there. A lot of Indians still buy of, die of snake bite. So they were working on a new anti-venom and electric shock. They needed snakes. They found out I enjoyed working with that. They asked me to send them up in a 25-year period. I caught and identified, took pictures of over 5,200 snakes in 81 species. So the kids would bring them, they'd bring them in a, a box, a bag, a bottle, anything. I'd have to find out if they were venomous or not, take them out and deal with them. I've made a little exhibit inside because they have no idea which ones are venomous and which ones aren't. So it was an educational time. We could try to teach them not to kill the ones that were harmless. It, it didn't work, but we tried. Coral snakes, we were talking about that before. I'll just run these up quick. We have six coral snakes in there. How many of you know the rhyme, whether it's venomous or not? Red on yellow kill a fellow, red on black, venom lack. Doesn't work outside the United States. Four of these are red on black and they are venomous. So once you cross the border outside the United States, forget that. The vipers is another thing. These top three were tree vipers. If they're up in the trees and the leaves, you absolutely can't see them unless they move. A lot of Indians got bit on the heads and shoulders as you go through the trails. The ones on the ground are the same way. You just cannot see them unless they move. We'd be going hunting birds, and the Indians are looking up, and all of a sudden they'd say, watch out for that snake. And i say, how can you see that snake when you're looking up? I couldn't even find it after they pointed it out to me. They blend in so well. It's just amazing. That's the big Bushmaster on the bottom, the, the nasty one, but I could hold them by the tail. They weren't terribly aggressive. Where these others, if you even touch them, they would, they would, they would have you. This is uh, one of the snakes we tried to protect. It's uh, Clalia is the name of it. I don't think we have anybody by that name, so I'm not offending anyone. They would literally hunt out the other venomous snakes to eat. They were the, uh, the sworn enemy of them. We tried to teach them not to kill the snake, completely harmless. Uh, these are just a few friends that I had. You can see the couple standing clear in the back. That's all the closer they would get when I'm working with snakes. They wanted nothing to do with them. The iconic uh, green tree boa. Uh, he was just too cute not to take a picture of. He almost has a nose. You can see that. This is my claim to fame. I did discover a brand new species down there. I only found two examples of it, so it's not going to be named, but they turned in the paperwork, Xenodon rhabdocephalus Dwayne Holmesy. <laughs> you have to put Latin on the end, but uh, they did send the paperwork in. We're positive it's a new species, but with only two examples, they would say it's a freak, not a species, so there's no fame involved in that. Uh, the pictures didn't come cheap, but I have tried to convince people snakes' teeth curl back. If you don't jerk, it doesn't hurt. They bite and go, and it's, it's, does, it literally doesn't hurt. I haven't convinced anybody of that yet, but I wouldn't have done it if it hurt. So, you know, I have pretty good judgment. There was a couple oopses, uh, the, the venomous vipers. Uh, 25 years without a serious bite. Within five weeks, I got nailed twice. This is the first one. It literally struck around. Uh, a shield I had in between. I've never seen one strike in a circle. The other one was a great big one we had had for many years, nastiest snake I ever had. 
and we still haven't figured out how he got hold of me from where he was, but it was so fast we didn't even know what happened. But even that opens a door. Most people out there have somebody in their family that have been bit by a snake, and I can't say I know exactly what you're going through. After this, I could. So there is a bright side to everything. For years, I just thought frogs were snake food, but then they decided they wanted to know the frogs too, so we started identifying just some of the the great things you have down there that you can use to illustrate that God is the creator. This stuff doesn't happen by accident. One of the rarest toads, I only saw one of those, little Tyrannosaurus rex wannabe. Uh, that needs no words. That's just a happy couple, isn't it? You know they've got it all together. And this is one of my favorites, a beautiful, beautiful green lizard. It's almost velvety around the, the head. They, people ask what the string is for, so I took a picture of it without the string. And it's, uh, uh, some of you will get that on the way home. It's uh, education. It was good to have people come in, again, talking about God's nature, creation. They were interested. It was always a, an opportunity to share. Some teachers would bring the entire class over to the house. There, there are times I went to the school and taught. Uh, lots of opportunities to share Christ. Okay, I, I thought I cut these out, so this is the wrong presentation. They use a lot of my pictures in these books. So it's just kind of neat to have that recognized. These are just pictures to show people in Texas they don't have the biggest of everything. <laughs> These are some good-sized beetles, a uh, walking stick on my daughter's hand that's uh, over a foot long. Uh, ladies, you think you have cockroach problems? That's a Makuma cockroach. We only ever saw one of those, and I took a picture of it and let it go because I didn't want to put them extinct. But the chickens wouldn't even have anything to do with it. It was huge. Uh, this praying mantis, I chased around for about 15 minutes trying to get a picture, and finally he just got tired of it, and he come out and says, bring it on. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, I'd never seen one do that before. It was really, really fun. But they have beautiful things down there. I don't know if you can see this. It's fluorescent, phosphorescent, whatever the word is. And the pinchers, they can break sticks with those. So it's amazing things they have down there. The tarantulas, we have a lot of tarantulas. They are not dangerous. It would be like a wasp sting. I've never been bitten by one. But uh, I didn't mind them at all. They're all over, always on the, on the walls and everything. Lois had put up with them unless they were on the ceiling above the bed at night or if they were on the floor where we might step on them. Then she wanted to get them out. But as long as they're on the walls, we were okay with that. We did have the Brazilian wandering spider, arguably the most venomous spider in the world. We caught several in the house. Um, it's just a nasty spider. The, the effects are not good. Uh, scorpion anti-venom project. Uh, we should have had no scorpions down there that would cause deaths, but we were losing people in Makuma from scorpion stings. So there was a doctor come up from Venezuela, wanted to study it. He needed scorpions, so we had the kids catch, and we caught ourselves and sent out over 200 scorpions. And he milked those scorpions and made an anti-venom. Now, I don't know how you milk a scorpion growing up on a farm. I can just imagine tiny little stools and incredible dexterity, but... Uh, he, he actually made an anti-venom. The problem was it had to be refrigerated, and a lot of people would not make it to where there was refrigeration. But it was a good project. I, I think it was good. Some of you, believe it or not, may not have seen a mother scorpion with babies. That's what they look like. It's, uh, nobody says, aw. If that had been a cat with kittens, everybody would have said, aw. But nobody does that for scorpions. Uh, lots of different changes. The big parrots down there we had were, were good to eat. The little parrots we have back here, not so much. We caught these outside our house. I think the cage at Henry Dorley Zoo sprung a leak. We caught three. They got together, raised three babies. 
Uh, turkeys down there, wild turkeys, excellent eating. Turkeys back here, the same, excellent eating. Down there, they have the Kodamundi. Some of them, some of the people eat that. Some villages didn't. Each village would have their own taboos, their own beliefs. If they ate it, we ate it. If they didn't, we didn't. Back here, same family, we have raccoons at the bottom of our steps in Omaha. I enjoy feeding them. That's our apex predator, if you can imagine. He's not sick. He's lazy. He's laying on his side and eating food while he's laying there. And then, like Oliver, he has the nerve to say, please, sir, I want some more. Skunks, no skunks down there. We have them here. It's uh, just fun sitting on the back porch. Possums down there were cute. Up here, not so much. Uh, Full-grown Amazon dwarf squirrel. Up here we have red squirrels, black squirrels. We just enjoy nature. Down there, up here, bats were a problem. Lots of vampire bats down there. We had an upstairs at the mission station that smelled so strongly we couldn't stand it. We finally went up there. I took a shop back and sucked out all the crevices and everything, killed them and counted them. We had over 200, 250 vampire bats up there. So they stink. But beyond that, twice while we were down there, they had human rabies get into a couple of the villages among the Atrar. One time they lost 12, another time they lost 16. So we all got the, the rabies vaccine and everything, but most people down there have been bitten multiple times. You just don't pay any attention, but when you get a disease, it's, it's pretty devastating. Back here, I found one big brown bat on our screen door. That's all we have, no, no harm at all there. Anybody know what our U.S.s are? Rodents, I knew there'd be a Princess Bride fan in here someplace. Rodents of unusual size, that's the capybara. And that's the largest rodent in the world. Our people, some of them eat them, some of them don't. So again, uh, I never shot one. The opportunity I had, I passed because I didn't know. The next morning, a guy said, yeah, you should have shot it. We feed those to the dogs. I said, no, I'm not going to shoot them for dog food. Uh, that's a pocket rabbit. It's a... Traveling from one village to another, if we couldn't make it, we'd put up a lean-to. I was out for over a week with a bunch of guys hunting where we just put up a lean-to and stayed there. Uh, many times we'd go into a village, they'd have a vacant house. This was a teacher's house. He wasn't there. School was out, so we stayed there. Many times they'd just put us in a, a one side on a rack in their house, and we'd be with the family, and that was always good, just to be right in with them, included with the family. And they really went overboard at the camp where I did a lot of teaching. They made my own house, so that was mine. I could go back and sit down and couldn't shut the door, but I could get in there and, and rest. It was really special because they did that just for me. Lifeblood of the, the village is the river. Everything happens at the river. They get their drinking water. They get their cooking water. They wash their clothes. They take baths. They go to the bathroom. Everything happens in the river. So if you're getting your drinking water in the river, you want to go upstream to get it, even though you know somebody further upstream is doing the same thing. But uh, after a long walk into a village, either right after you get there and drop your stuff or the last river before you go into the village, you stop and you clean up, and uh, it's always really refreshing. And then there's water for baptism, which is important down there as it is here. I was privileged to open over 30 runways when I was down there. If you can imagine clearing a space in the jungle 50 yards wide, 500 yards long with 300-yard approaches on each side with nothing but machetes, axes, and shovels. Towards the end, they're starting to get wheelbarrows and a couple chainsaws, but it's not unusual to take two or three years to get a runway made. It's a huge thing to get it because then if a woman can't have a baby, if somebody gets bit by a snake, they can get a plane in to take them out. 
Many times they would say they want the runway so that they can have the, the gospel so that you can come in and preach, and most times that was a pretense. But they have to dig all the roots out, tamp it solid from one end to the other. If they don't, this can happen. The wheel fall in a place where there's wood underneath it rotted. If that had been the front wheel and the prop hit the ground, the, the engine is shelled out. So it's really important to have it done well, inspected well, and uh, the, the best thing was working with the people. I said many times they want it for the gospel. After the runway is done, they never want the gospel again. It didn't matter to me. Every time I went in to inspect it, to work with them or what, I stayed overnight and they heard the gospel. So we take every opportunity they give us. The guy with his two wives and kids, he's one of them. He wanted a runway after he got it, not interested in the gospel at all. But I know they heard the gospel at least six or eight times. This is a picture I was intending to have at the end. It's just a He's, he's dead now. He's a witch. We knew him very, very well, knew all of his kids. He heard the gospel over and over, not interested. This picture through the smoke is just a, a haunting picture of the lostness of some of the people down there. For instance, uh, the middle girl died from snake bite when she was about 16 years old. A lot of one-on-one, face-to-face, and that's where it's really neat. That's what the culture is, is face-to-face. We would have general meetings where they would get together, invite from other villages, the four guys in front, come up from Peru to to preach. I would share some of the conferences with them, and then they'd have their own baptisms. I never baptized a single person down there. The first village I went into where white people had never been before, two of the guys had been out, and they come up to me with their chest puffed clear out to here and said the name of a missionary. He had baptized them, and they were really proud of that. And I turned to Lois and I said, I'm never going to baptize a single one. They can do that. I'll show them how. I'll help them everything. I'm not going to do it. And they can do it. They're, they're really, really capable of that. This is getting ready for a conference. You ladies that set up downstairs might take some notes here. The, the, the bananas that are out there is a staple all the time. Here they had actually bought rice. Many times it's just the bananas. They'll have a little bowl of soup of some kind with a piece of meat in it. They'll file 30, 35 people in there. You stand and eat. You haul them out. They resupply the bananas, and you have the next bunch come in. A lot of times for the conference, the guy that's putting it on will give some of the best hunters one or two shotgun shells and send them out to get meat. Remember, if there's no meat, we don't eat. So this is one of the best hunters they had down there. He got this, and even with that, we would only eat one meal a day. There's just not enough for any more than that. If you put all those pieces together, this is what it looks like. It's a taper. Delicious, absolutely delicious meat. Uh, Discipleship courses, after the initial evangelization, we started getting them together for discipleship courses. I used a a course from Guatemala. This guy has three wives, and they're all Christians. Believe it or not, he could come up with questions they didn't cover at Grace College of the Bible. You might find that hard to believe, but uh, I had all the answers when I went down there and found out there's a whole new set of questions. But it was fun, and uh, many, many of the people were really serious about learning. Some were there strictly because there was nothing else going on in the village at the time, but many were there interested in learning, and that kept it going. Half of these people come up from Peru. They would walk anywhere from three to seven days through the jungle to get up here for a three-day course, one meal a day, turn around and go back just rejoicing they had heard God's word. We don't find dedication like that here. If it looks like it might rain, we can't get out tonight. So it really humbles the guy to see what they would do to hear God's word. Very proud of the very first church they had there. They've since built a new one. Uh, we'll get more to him when I, I get later on. The leadership training followed. We started pulling out those who were recognized as leaders or wanted to be. We used Alexander 
uh, unpronounceable last name, Strach, 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 okay, whatever. A biblical eldership, I believe that is a, a biblical way of looking at it, multiple eldership, that's what we taught. It will never happen because the villages are so small. We might only have eight or ten men in the entire village, might only be a couple of them Christians. You're not going to have multiple eldership with the deacons and and trustees and the organist and all that sort of stuff. It's not going to happen, but that's what we taught because that's what the Bible teaches, and we try to get as close to that as we could. Started inviting them to Makuma when we were at the mission station. We would teach them when they're out in their villages, but there's not a one of these guys there that was afraid to look at me and say, Brother, you're wrong. And to get an indigenous person to the point they'll say to a missionary, you're wrong, that is great. That's what we wanted. And I really feel like they learned half of what they learned from me and half of what they learned from each other. These guys would have never seen each other if we didn't bring them together. And they shared. And it was just absolutely terrific. Working on the hymnal, trying to get it doctrinally sound along with the Bible. I got this great big watch. I need to look at it. Okay. I'm not going to pay any attention to it, but I want you to think I am. <laughs> this is the, the courses we were teaching at the end, leaders. We had probably 70 to 80 leaders, potential leaders, and their wives in three different villages that we were teaching. We like to teach couples because we figure that's what God put together. He put couples together. They're going to minister together, and many times the guys would come with their wives. But this is the face of the church in Ecuador. That's what's going to be coming up all together as they plan the next meeting. Just great times. We had some literature uh, am I going to heaven the different ways they think they can go to heaven with the actual way they're going to heaven we had other materials that they're still using right now that's the Ecuador part now the chaplaincies we have back here just to buzz through them quick military order of the purple heart I got two purple hearts so I'm automatically a member of that they asked me if I would be the chaplain and I said I would if they'd let me make it an active chaplaincy because at the time the chaplain reads a prayer at the beginning and ending of the meeting, I wanted to make it active, and they said they were happy for that. So that's what I'm doing with them. Uh, the entire Iowa delegation at the meeting we had, uh, the auxiliary laws is in that, and then I'm over there with the guys. Disabled American Veterans, Elkhorn Chapter 49, you had a lot to do with that lately as we had the coat drive and you're familiar with the work we're doing at, uh, at Victory Apartments here. There's uh, up to 150 veterans there, and I just like being around vets. I am very pleased to say that we have, it's not here, this is the wrong one. We have three of them here tonight. I had a picture of us meeting there at the, at the Bible study, and uh, three of them are here tonight. I appreciate them a lot for coming over here. We're hoping this is going to be good enough that we can show it to the entire group there at, at the Victory Apartments. Jim is one of the guys that was here. He was having a Bible study before I ever got involved. So he's going on in that. I contribute a little bit now and then, and then I have a, a Bible study on Sunday. So we really appreciate the DAV. SYC Special Youth Challenge. Uh, this is where they take handicapped kids and handicapped vets out turkey hunt in the spring and a deer hunt in the fall so to see the look on the faces of these kids when they actually get a turkey or a deer is just absolutely amazing they have another one in nebraska that's even bigger that was started pretty much because i recommended a guy to speak he saw what they're doing in iowa took the idea back to nebraska now there's another one going only god could put all of that together so this is the old order that i have them in uh, like I say, to see the looks on their faces, this is something they would never be able to do without this organization. The whole purpose of it is to bring them to God, to teach them about God through nature. It is a very, very strong 
principle of the entire organization to, to bring them to the Lord. They have technicians, uh, engineers, everything that have designed all their own equipment, incredibly safe, double trigger to where the kid can't get excited and fire until the other, until the guide approves of it. Uh, a lot of people there, you get the kids, you get their parents or guardians, you get two guides for each kid, plus all the organizers, the supporters, the kitchen help, you get a couple, 300 people there. And they asked if I would come alongside and be the, the chaplain, which I accepted readily. I've been able to speak at the family praise barbecue. Uh, just a great time to be with the people. The translation team is very important. That's one of the most important things I'm doing now. They translate it from, well, first of all, think about this. A few years ago, they were using the machete. It was the most complicated thing they had. Now they're sitting in front of computers. They have done marvelously coming along and getting, getting to where they can do things with that. Getting ready to go back to one of the villages. And that's how they live. This is their community down there. We lived like that for 35 years. They're still there. We understand perfectly what they're going through. This is my Captain Kirk control panel where I sit there and, and do all of my stuff. They have a program with Wycliffe. It has the Achor on the left side. I have four other versions of the Bible on the right. There's a pop-out on the right that brings out an interlinear Hebrew. They translate from a Spanish paraphrase because their Spanish isn't that good. They use a paraphrase into Achuar. I compare the Achuar with the original, and then I put notes in there. And then every Wednesday, 8 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon, I'm face-to-face, -face and we talk through the notes that I put in. And I just listen to them, incorporate the suggestions into the, into the scripture. So we have people down there that are trained. Some of these people I've had a, a large hand in training. Some of those trained down in Peru apart from us. But they are trained. They are taking the gospel out. This guy I've known for years and years and years. This is a pastor. When we first went there, the only person in his village that was a Christian was his blind father and his aged mother. And by the time we left, that church has 35 to 40 people. And it's all because, of, well, it's the Lord, but through this guy. He has never left his village to study. He sits there and he reads and he prays and he, he leads. Just a terrific guy. So, we're getting close to the end and that's good, I'm losing my voice. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As a Bible translator, I know I can't add to the scripture. If I could, I would insert... What shall they preach if they don't have the word? And that's why we're still translating the Bible. We have people trained, ready to go out and take the word, and they need all of it. As you all know, Romanos I didn't hear an amen after that, but uh, you might recognize the verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as long as I have two brain cells that are functioning, we're going to keep working on the translation. How do you teach prophecy without Daniel, without Joel, without Ezekiel? They need all of this. So we're going to work on it as long as we can. We'll never see the end, but we're going to keep working on it and, and keep going. And there's the old guy. That's the picture I wanted to leave you with. They need the gospel. People here need the gospel. People there, everybody needs the gospel. But that's a guy who is now lost forever. We don't want to see that happen anymore. Thank you again for your support over the years. It has been our privilege to be out there, you would say, on the front lines. I would say in the Garden of Eden. 
We just really enjoyed it. We feel guilty about having such a good time while we're doing that, and we're still enjoying what we're doing back here. Thank you very much. It's up to you.